Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, Expanse fans, this is Cher. And Adam. And welcome to another episode of The Churn, a very happy episode, even though the episode of The Expanse itself was not happy, but we're very happy because we found out very late over the weekend, I think it was around midnight Eastern time, that The Expanse will live to see another day at Amazon. Absolutely amazing. Of course, the first thing we have to talk about today, and we have joining us from a top secret location, doing a top secret project, (laughs) is Cass Anvar, who's going to talk about the amazing news that The Expanse will live on another season on Sorry. It's okay. It was actually a really good echo. So it's not like there's multiple wolves with you. Um, <laughs> so first, let's talk about, I mean, Cass, was, you were there. So I was there, man. What it was like to experience <sighs> unexpected. Oh, my God. It was surreal. Um, it, I mean, I... I, I the story is like it like literally goes back five months and uh, I, I got I got invited to the science panel um, the ISDC International Space Development Conference uh, which is one of the most pres- prestigious conferences um, for science in the United States and um, Buzz Aldrin was there and um, this was like months ago long before any of us had any idea that the show was going to be canceled and uh, I agreed to do it and then as time went on, I, I kind of said, well, it's going to be happening right in the middle of our season three. Why don't I get some of the people from the show to do like an actual panel to promote the show? And so I asked Narain and he said, OK, let's do it. And then um, no one, none of the actors were going to be there because everyone was going to be in their respective other parts of the country. And most of the, the showrunners were away. And um, and so then the show got canceled and there was a massive uh, amount of sadness and depression that we were all going through and, you know, even debating whether we're going to do this. Then I find out that one of the people on the panel or uh, uh, who's like kind of like majorly involved in this conference is Jeff Bezos. He was at the conference or is he on your panel? No, no, he was on the conference. He was at the conference. And I said, okay, this is weird. Like he's one of the people that we're, we're kind of trying to get interested. Then I find out, I can't remember if it was Dan or Ty or somebody told me that, well, you know, Jeff Bezos loves the expanse. And I'm like, what? And then someone sent me a screenshot of Bezos holding a Kindle demonstrating, I think that's an Amazon product. And guess what book is on the Kindle? It is Leviathan Wakes. And the reason it's on there is because he loves the expanse. And I'm like, okay, this is really, really weird. And then um, I'm like, okay, well, we should maybe do something about this. And that, like, my brain just started percolating on how, like, it's just too many things happening in synchronicity. And then the fans started getting into an uproar, and um, they they did that banner thing. And the banner they chose to do it over Amazon. And on that same day, 
I talked to Sci-Fi and I talked to Alcon and what I thought was like a done deal. Then I got different versions from everyone that it wasn't quite dead and like that everybody kind of didn't want it to go. And I was like, I mean, well, the show, the show. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it, it was, it was put to rest, but then it felt like, no, maybe there is a heartbeat. And then, um, I, I did just something snapped inside me and I said, fuck it. I'm going to do my shit and do, do what I do and not listen to the, the heaviness in the, in the atmosphere. And, um, I got my team together that's on social media. I said, let's give these guys a direction. And I started asking people um, about the panel. I got Steven and Wes interested. I got Narain. I got Kara, uh, Kara G, who's our drummer. And um, our drummers. Something fans. And things just started going. And I kind of talked to Narain. I said, wouldn't it be cool if we got an announcement and Jeff Bezos was there and we could get everyone up on stage? And he's and he's like, Cass, come on, he's the richest man in the world. Don't 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 even think about that. And I'm like, okay. And I kind of like got schooled, but I'm like, I, I still kept thinking about it. Right. And then we we went and we did the panel, and the panel happened at around six five five to six o'clock. It was such an electric panel. Um, Kyle Hill did our uh, moderation, and he he made it funny, and the audience was a hundred percent like inspired like they were so into the show and narain and and we had bobak the the mohawk man right. who's the um Bobak the, the scientist from JPL. exactly and mm-hmm. they were they were just eating it up from from the science angle and it ended with such a bang and um someone came up to me and said hey bezos is outside schmoozing with people you should go out and see him and i and i was like oh my god bezos is right outside our our room and so I grabbed Noreen and I grabbed Steven. I said, let's go talk to him. And they were like, no, 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 we can't do this. Were like, they were so stressed out about meeting him. They fought, they, and I, I dragged them out. And so I got them behind me and I go up to Bezos. I talked to his security guy and I say, uh, I said, Mr. Bezos, uh, I'm Cass Anvar. And this is, and I turned behind me and Steven and, and Noreen had ditched me. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I guess I'm alone. And he looked at me, he goes, Oh, you, I know you, you're a great actor. And I went, oh, geez, thank you, sir. And um, I, I said, so I hear you're a big fan of the books. He goes, yeah, but I love the show. And I was like, really? I didn't know you were watching the show. He goes, no, I love it. And he says, and you're a great actor. You guys are so great. And he goes, and you know, Amazon's really trying to make this thing work, right? And I said, yeah, no, I'm really, he goes, my fingers are crossed. He goes, nothing's done yet, but um i was really hoping it's, it works out and i went i went oh my god oh my god hearing that from jeff bezos that they're really trying to, i said that and he said nothing's done yet but that's that's uh what we're hoping for and so then i i went and i reamed out steven and the race said why don't you ditch me guys and he said no no it was better if it was just you if we had gone mobbed him and i was like okay fine strategy <laughs> And then we got uh, brought into this dinner, this gala dinner at the end, and we're sitting right beside Bezos's table. And Bezos is going to be receiving an award that night for his involvement in the space uh, development agency and trying to colonize the, the solar system. He's getting an award. And we went as a group, we went and we met him and it was really, really awesome. And he did this really cool photo with us where we're all kind of like going, yeah, save the expanse. It was a really nice photo that made it into the press. And then... Um, he sat down, we were about, and the, the award started, and I found one of my Expanse comic books, 
that has all of our origins in it. And I said, you know what? I think Bezos is probably a bit of a nerd. So he's probably going to like comics. And so I got everyone around the table to sign it. And I went over to him while the, the ceremony was going on. I said, here, I, I figured you're a bit of a comic book nerd. So here's a comic book uh, of the show. And he grabbed my arm and he said, I can't help but think that us all being here right now is significant. And I got goosebumps. The hair on my arm stood up. And I went, um, yeah, I kind of think that too. And, uh, and, uh, and I sat down. And then when I sat down, I looked over at him. We started to eat. And he was on his phone texting for 15 minutes straight after that. And there was orgs going on on stage. There was things going on. And he was like in his phone. Text, 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 text. And then at some point, boom, he just stopped. And he looked up and he just started enjoying the evening. And then he went up for his award and everyone's cheering and we're all very happy. Like everyone's like, oh man, I'm so glad we did this event cast. This was such a great idea. And like people were like this, you know what? This was a great way to kind of get everyone and galvanize them. Blah, blah. So he gets up and his, the first thing he says is, before I get into this award thing, how many of you guys in the audience know the expanse and then there was this whoop from the audience like you were at a hockey game like you know a toronto's montreal canadians hockey game and someone so just scored a goal such a canadian reference i don't understand it go. but okay <laughs> <laughs> i don't know give me an equivalent guys yankee game, yankee game yankee game yankee <laughs> game but it was not just a polite applause. It was like a visceral blow the roof off type of wah. And we all kind of like jumped. And then he said, uh, and you guys probably know that the show got canceled. Uh, and uh, Amazon's been really, really um, trying very hard to, uh, to, to do something about that. And uh, when I met these guys an hour ago, I told them we were trying and there was nothing really for sure, it's a very complicated deal with the foreign stuff. And he was pretty, pretty open about it. And he says, but um, I just wanted to let you guys know, as of 10 minutes ago, uh, I just got a text message. And apparently, we've saved the expanse. And at that point, all the blood drained from our faces. And <laughs> we all kind of went into uh, comatose shock. And that's when you saw me stand up. <laughs> and I, I thrust my hands into the air and I went, whoa! And I turned back to everybody. And honestly, I've never seen a table of people like so stunned. It was almost like it was the last thing anybody was ever expecting to happen. Quite, I mean, let's be honest. It was the last thing we were expecting to happen in that moment. And then once reality hit, everybody stood up. Wes stood up and he started cheering like a bandit. And Stephen got up. He almost had tears in his eyes. Hallie started crying. And, and the ring was just giddy. It was amazing. Kara started dancing, obviously. That's <laughs> when she's happy. But it was probably one of the most euphoric and amazing and completely authentic and organic experiences I have ever had. Because it was not expected. I, I never expected something like that would happen spontaneously. But I... I guess, you know, you're, you're the richest man in the world. You're, you run your, your company. You're the boss. You get to do whatever you want. And he probably was there texting saying, I'd like to use this opportunity to, if we're going to do this, let's do it now because I've got an amazing audience here. And if this is going to happen, give me the answer now. And, and he got the answer. Or was it that your conversation with him was what convinced him to do right. it? And he was I, actually, that's what I I'm know. actually gleaning from this. Is that yeah. it was Cass. Cass's presence. <laughs> I am not going to take credit for that. He, he was like at the all. wish. It was like the no. secret. It was like the secret. He like activated the. I think. 
No, but those Alcon people, those people at Alcon were working their butts off. Andrew and Laura and those guys were, those guys were hustling and dealing and negotiating like crazy. And uh, from what I understood, everything was happening at the same time because afterwards we went on celebrated with with the heads of Alcon and the people who actually worked the deal out, and they literally said their last interactions, their last text messages, and everything finalizing the deal was around the time we were all eating and negotiating like everything was happening at the same time it literally was happening in real time and uh, who knows you know what maybe like i mean god willing i i helped inspire it but who cares uh all that matters is that it was an amazing team effort like it was an amazing team effort and i put the lion's share of it onto the fans because yeah. all I did, all I did was I pointed them in the right direction. They were like a fire hydrant with this powerful stream, but it was it was going in in uh, you know fifteen different directions. And all I did was tap into it and tell them this is what's going to make the difference. Do this, do this, do this. And they were incredibly responsive, and they did what I said. And boom, you know that's what happens when you can channel that amount of incredibly positive energy. I mean, and then the, once I mean, yeah, the love from the fans absolutely listen. It absolutely helped tremendously. But it's like we also can't take away from the fact that the show really just is that good of a show. Like it oh, really God. was critically acclaimed, and it this season is just ridiculously good. So right. yes, a hundred percent. I'm not taking away from the fans because the way they mobilized, there was a lot of. Uh, I've never seen fans be this. Uh, creative <laughs> with the exactly. with the plane and launching something into space um you know and, oh and it God. just also speaks to how the fans they were raising money show. like crazy. yeah they were raising money to to like they raised five thousand dollars in four hours to to fly the banners and then they raised another four thousand dollars to send the the rossi into space in like a few hours like i've never seen that and it's really amazing i mean i think it says a lot about this fandom and this community and um I think that also it's the strength of the show. So as much as, it, yes, absolutely, having that fan support is amazing. But also, you know, you have to give it to you guys and the work that all of you've done absolutely. on the oh, show. Absolutely. The, show's, the, show's, the show itself is, is like, a, like a diamond. And, uh, and obviously having Jeff Bezos be in love with that show, that doesn't hurt. No, it definitely um, does not. And, and, uh, but it was a combination, you know. It was like getting the fans directed, the fans providing this incredible push and then our amazing team at Alcon that negotiated this deal in like record time. And then Bezos himself having uh, a profound passion and love for, for the material. Um, and then having a show that nobody could argue with, you know, like it was just a, a perfect storm of events that, um, that just got swept away. And, and we had like a, a Cinderella story. It was literally, I, it's it's a moment I will never forget. I've never experienced anything like it. And uh, me and the group of people at that table, I think, you know, we're we're gonna have that memory for the rest of our lives. And it was absolutely amazing. Ty and Daniel, how did you guys find out? Um, how did we find out? I I think we got a call from. I get. The, I think I got a, a message from Kaz. I think I got a little WhatsApp message from Kaz saying, "Oh my God, you won't believe this." Um, and yeah, I think what I said was. I'm feeling thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. I'm afraid that I'm I'm responsible for Kaz's bar tab from now on. 
that's, <laughs> I think that's, that's just true. That's just the case. Um, so wait, did you guys, you guys had a bet? Is that what that was? No, not a bet. I just, I, I was seeing, I saw what Kaz was doing and I saw the amount of, uh, engagement and work that he was doing to uh breathe life into what i assumed was a corpse and i said you know if you if you if you do this i'm buying your drinks from now on and now i'm now he did it and now i have to buy his fucking drinks from now on. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way just so you know that inspired a uh worldwide pub crawl because people started offering to buy me drinks i saw and that i was like I was like, hell, I'm going to take Ty and Daniel and go on a pub crawl. And then they just started chiming in. So I've got, I've got people offering us drinks from, from Thailand to Australia to all parts of Canada and the U.S. and London. So you know, um, at some point – You know some, I'm a teetotaler, right? Mess. It's going to be like all mineral water around the world for Daniel. It's going to be <laughs> – <laughs> Well, Ty's going to have to hold up the, the, the heavy hitter side of it. I'm very, very happy for you guys. I'm sure – the fans, I mean, they were ecstatic. That's Twitter so lit up. Um, yeah. So when do you guys get back to the writer's room, Ty and Daniel? We are waiting to hear that now. I think the earliest we could conceivably be there is like uh, next week. The latest I think we could conceivably be there is probably the week after. I think it's gonna, I think we're going to be. I think it's. I think we really need to wash our socks at this point and just get out to yeah. LA. I think. I think people have to understand though. This was not a situation where, hey guys, just put yourselves on hold. We're going to try and make this thing work. Uh, like nobody was on hold. Like no. this was yeah. like they had they had started tearing down the sets. They had, everyone had been released. People were looking for new jobs. We, we lost a few people from our, our big team. And, uh, it, and, and now it just came screeching to a halt and going back onto the track. It's like, it's like a major reorientation of a massive machine that had started to dismantle itself. So it's like, we're all, everybody's pulling, pulling themselves back together and trying to get refocused and like, uh, you know, I feel I feel bad for our team back in Toronto that had literally mourned it because they literally were, had pulled apart parts of the set and uh, and um, and now are going to start to get us back uh, up and running again. On the other hand, I have talked to some of the folks in Toronto who uh, are they're they're glad that we're not dead. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah. It's it, yeah. It, it 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 was that was a rocky weird way to do it, but uh mm-hmm. yeah, everyone I've spoken to is is uh happy to be back on board and happy that we're doing it some more. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, so I can't wait to I can't I can't wait to get everybody together again and we just have like that first big whoop de doo. I can't yeah, I mean I can't wait to get you a script. <laughs> yeah right oh like Kaz yeah, ever pays attention to the script <laughs> <laughs> yeah back to BA vision as usual well thank I mean I know you're you know on location right now on set so thank you for spending some time to tell us what happened congratulations on you know the show getting picked up we're incredibly as fans we're incredibly excited but then we're also excited because it means we're gonna do more of the churn so oh my god we, i mean i'm just again first and one foremost, thing you, you know what you know what bezos said one of the things the really nicest thing he said when he was up there uh giving us the good news and this is for you guys for you and ty and dan um he said he says 
it is just way too big of a shame to not get to tell this whole story. There is so much amazing stuff ahead. I can't even envision not getting a chance to tell that story. That's, That's what he said. And I was so like, I totally agree with it. Like having just read the, the next two books, uh, I'm like, oh my God, there's no way we can't not do this. I just, it, it was just so beautiful. Sorry. Yeah, really? I, had to say that. I, had, okay. I had that exact thought watching this week's episode. Like I, I, you know, just because up until last week, I was, the show was really, I felt picking up steam and everything's like, things are happening, the rings open, all that stuff. And I'm like, man, and now we're not going to get to see the rest of it. And now we are. And it was such a, it was such a nice moment watching this week's episode to, to think of that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean, again, like I, I don't think I, you guys understand, like we really are so happy for you guys. We're so happy to see that the show is continuing and we're of course like fans of the show and we're going to support the show as long as it exists, we're going to be here to support it. So I'm really happy for you guys. I'm going to let you go film whatever it is that you're filming that you're not going to tell us about. <laughs> because you. surprise, surprise, somebody had yeah. to put cast on a gag. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, I don't know why. Then, I don't know why people I think I talk to them. You don't ever share anything. You never talk. Um, so yeah, so we'll definitely talk to you soon. Um, hopefully we'll do a nice big, you know, season Love finale wrap up like last year where we were just Love maniacs you. It's so good can't wait <laughs> I know uh, everyone even people at sci-fi even though maybe some people don't want to believe it we're very happy to see that the show is going to continue to live on um, because there really is nothing but love for those involved with the show um, and yeah I mean I want to see where it's going because shit is getting B-A-N-A-N-A-S this Indeed season. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. This is a very interesting episode uh, in terms of how it got to that happening. So let's break down episode eight from season three. It reaches out and joining us per huge are Daniel and Ty. Feel free to say hello at your leisure, gentlemen. Notice how I'm not setting them up with the hi guys. You know, but it's such a good joke. I feel you've missed Say hi guys. Hi guys! See, it's just classic. <laughs> Always works. Ah, yes. Never not funny. Never not funny. And per usual, Ty says nothing <laughs> until he has an end to make fun of me, which will come any minute now. Um, yeah. So, first starters, uh, initial surface level reaction to this week's up. Um, uh, I thought this week's episode. It was a slower burn than the past couple weeks, in my opinion. Um, for most of the running time, it kind of felt like we were taking a breath uh, now that the stage has been set with the ring being open and all the different parties converging on it. And then in the last like five to ten minutes, everything went bananas. And it was some of the most intense uh, storytelling I've seen on The Expanse to date. And I think that that's saying a lot because of how intense this show can get. So... Yeah, that's that's how I felt about it. I, I, I mean, I really dug. I really dug the chance to kind of take a breath and check in with everybody and see how all the relationships are developing, et cetera. And then for things to go as crazy as they did in the way it climaxes was really, really cool. See, I I loved this episode. I don't think it was as slow of a burn, though. I think in the beginning, or I felt in the beginning, uh, whatever's going on with this mystery chick, who, by the way, I was eating when I was watching this episode, and I had to stop eating. Because 
things got a little gross when she decides to bash this dude's head in so she can fit him in the little storage space that she was stowing him away in to hide his body. So thanks for that. Yeah, this um, whole season has been big on the on the body horror for sure. Yeah, yeah definitely yeah. the. It's it's something we do, you know, a little a little <laughs> body horror. It's uh, you know, and we got to see we got to see Maneo explode like five times right. in this episode. Yeah, additionally, just in case we forgot from last time what it was yeah. like. So don't be eating while watching this episode, basically. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was the mistake that I made. But um, I also thought that you know. Steven did a great job this episode. And even though Naomi wasn't, you know, Dom wasn't in the episode as much, she did a great job too this episode. They were both great. Everybody was great. But those two really, uh, you felt the raw emotion and the moments when you were supposed to feel it. And uh, Thomas Jane, you know, really knows how to play whatever the hell he is like oh man there was yeah. there was a moment with him i can't i don't know what you would even call what he does but he has the hat on and holden says something and and he's and, like does the twitch with his face and he just no in response he just kind of ducks his head and looks down the brim of his hat at him yeah. and it was the coolest it was the coolest little like detective gesture i was i was just like and, and like just a subtle thing you know it's not like he did a lot there I kind of just feel like really Thomas should always wear that hat now. Yeah, he that man wears that hat. He yeah. literally wears the shit out of that hat. Like yeah. that hat is just that's his yeah. hat. That's a good hat. Well, he he picked really that hat. hat. That was uh, wardrobe gave him a bunch of different options, and uh, that's the one he likes. That's the one he picked. It's it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. I also really appreciated um, a lot of little subtle details that I've noticed in this episode. And one of them is with, um, with Amos's tattoos, how some of them and it seems to me and maybe I'm just over reading into it, how you can tell which ones are newer and then the ones that are supposed to be older are like faded. And I don't even know if that's intentional or not. Uh, it's, but It's because some of them are actually his and some of them are added. Well, I know the wardrobe. one in his arms. But no, but I'm talking about the ones that were added because there's one that's like on his forearm that looks a little bit darker than the other tattoos or maybe just look that way because of lighting. But I, for some reason, I just noticed it. Um, but yeah. yeah, I don't but think it it's looks- deliberate. Okay. Well, then never mind. I take it back. Screw the details. Um <laughs> So let's let's get let's uh, get into it and you know really break it down. First of all, what is up with this? I have so many questions. First, okay. are my, what am I going to find out who this girl is uh, later like, in the deal? season? Probably. Okay. Would be my guess. My next question, and if am I wrong? So the cameraman is obviously like he's the one that set them up. That's up, Steven. Sorry, Steven. Hold in. Yeah, he 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 did something, and it uh, it definitely had an unfortunate effect on the Rossi. They look more like body modifications, or not tattoos. They're body modifications that are on his fingertips and arms. Well, they're it's it's actually technology. Um, It's he's blind, and and he has a kind of blindness that they can't fix. Yeah. So uh, what he has is is sort of. Uh, air and air and motion sensors in his fingers so that it kind of acts like radar like sonar um so he can you know he can see the 3d 
map of the space around him using his using his fingers. And actually, that's it's based on um, some some real technology that people are playing with now, where they are we're, we're finding ways to build assistive devices for blind folks that um, give alternate inputs to let them put together a visual image uh, and and. With some of them, you've actually seen people uh, using the assistive devices long enough, getting used to them enough that you start seeing their visual cortex firing, and so you know that they're actually experiencing uh, vision. Just they're not we're using their eyes to do it. So this is this is the the updated version of that. But that is a form, and I know it's not called body modification. And I know there's a term for it, and I can't remember the term for it. Um, it's like something hacking, right? Where people put technology as a, like an implant. Yeah, there, there are, there's biohacking, which is a That's thing. That's it, biohacking. And, and there are people who like have put magnets in their skin so that they can feel magnetic, uh, forces. They can feel magnetic waves, um, and yeah, that's weird, but sure, Whatever. And is that when you were creating that for that character, is that did you work with somebody or talk to somebody that specializes in that field about how maybe in the future that technology would work or look? Well, actually, that's something that we kind of had in the books, right? I mean, it, the yeah, it's from, is, it's from the books. It's, uh, I, I think I made that one up. I, um, I think you made it, but, but my, my yeah. wife is an occupational therapist and has worked with uh, folks on activities of daily living and working with assistive devices. And so I, the kind of the idiom surrounding that is, is something that um, I think we're both pretty familiar with from, from hanging out with her. Okay. I mean, it's just really cool. Like I've noticed, I noticed those, uh, I noticed that tech more in this episode and his hands than I did in the previous episode. So I was really interested to learn more about that. Well, one of the things we didn't want to do is have, the fact that he's blind be a conversation on the show. Um, Cause it's, it, it just feels like um, by presenting it as just a fact of this guy's existence and nobody else really making a big deal out of it. Uh, it just feels like a better way to present, you know, uh, I don't want to even call it disability, but like, you know, alternate. Uh, how, how this guy's making his way through. Yeah. Right? And it's just, right. it's just the reality of his life and it doesn't really, it doesn't really hamper him because uh, he has he has his like he's, you said he's assisted living things, and everybody else just kind of knows, and it's not a big deal. We just didn't want to make a big deal out of it. Yeah, and I mean, and honestly, it's like obviously you're aware of the fact, and not even immediately, but you bec- if you didn't read the books, you become aware of the fact uh, a little bit later on that he is vision. He doesn't have his vision, but aside from that, he very much. Everything else about him is written and treated like an able-bodied character, well, which he, is fantastic. He, he, he is an able-bodied character. Just um, right. instead of seeing through his eyes, he sees through uh, nerve impulses coming up from his fingers. And yeah, that's and, it. Yeah, and that's I love that. Yeah, the point is that uh, yeah, he gets the job done. What <laughs> he uses a different toolbox. That's fine. Whatever. So let's go back a little bit to. Um, Holden's having his visions and a couple of people have caught him freaking out. <laughs> so uh, now there's the concern that Holden's losing his shit. 
Well, it seems like a fair thing to worry about. Yeah, yeah it yeah. makes sense. Yeah. There's, there's definitely precedent for why this would be not a good scenario. He's been yeah, stressed. I was just going to say there were a lot of great moments in that arc. I mean, Amos and Holden's first conversation where Holden said, or where Amos says, you know, just don't break the coffee machine again. And then my personal favorite was the little uh, moment of spying on Alex and Amos having the conversation. And Alex says, you know, that is a horrible violation of his privacy. What did it say? (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was really great. Yeah. Let's can I actually ask a question about the whole the whole Rossi scenario and how much of the found like I don't even want to call it found footage, but like the drones eye view footage that we're using uh, now? Can you guys talk a bit about the decision to go down that road and, and I guess finding the balance between doing that enough and not doing it too much, if that makes sense? Yeah, that's um, give credit for for that one to uh, our director of that block. Um, he really, he, he really engaged with this idea of the documentary crew and, and how, because the big change in the crew dynamic is now these two strangers live among them. And it's not just that you have two strangers living among them, but you have two professional spies who are trying to overhear everything, who are spying on you in private moments and, and just the discomfort that would come from that, um, how that would unbalance the crew social dynamic and so he wanted every chance he could to create that sense of invasion of privacy. So whenever it was possible to get that sort of drone's eye view uh, of a scene. Uh, so we feel like we're intruding in those scenes. Um, he wanted to do that. So I, I think he, I think he wound up hitting a really nice balance. Um, shot a bunch of stuff. Um, and then in editing figured out what was the right mix so that we had enough of it to feel that sense of invasion but not so much that the whole episode feels like a found footage movie. And we need that shot of Holden, like the up the nose shot while he's crying, saying he's so sorry. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great plan. We'll do that next time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I also, I also really dug, uh, and I keep forgetting this actress's name and it's going to drive me nuts. The one who plays the reporter. Nadine uh, Nicole. Thank you. Yeah. Anna. Oh, that's not Nadine Cole. Nadine Nicole is the one who plays uh, Melba. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know what? They both got introduced at the same time, so I keep and, getting them. And the problem I always have remembering Anna's name is that we have the character Anna, and so I think <laughs> I, I think I'm getting it wrong, but no. Yeah, and I, I have a I have a great story about her when we're ready. Okay, go but, ahead. Oh, I just oh, no, I, was... I it, it's we're, we haven't talked about that moment in the episode yet, but uh, okay, it's the the moment where she confronts Holden in the galley. Yeah, I was. I, well, I think that's exactly what I was. Yeah. I think that's exactly what I was getting to in that moment of her, like basically telling him, you know, to, that he has to be present and everything. And the way she does it is so like, I don't want to, it's weirdly like intimate, you know, but not almost sexual, but not really, but then just like, so uh, overwhelming. It feels like it's impossible to say no to something like that. Yeah. So on that topic, um, I, I happen to be on set, uh, the day we were shooting that, I don't remember why I was down there, but um, so I was hanging around the set and that's the first scene we shot with Anna and Steven together. It's the first time they had, they had worked together. Um, and uh, Anna's, Anna's a pro. She, she knew every bit of that speech right out of the gate. Very first take. She got everything right. So we, we shot the first take of it. Um, she, she, 
it's ba- basically her her take of it is is the one you see in the show. All of that was there. Um, they yell cut. Um, I'm sort of hanging around by co- the coffee cart, and uh, Stephen comes walking over, and he walks up to me, goes, "She's fucking terrifying." <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing he said. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah, yeah I, that I, was a really. Uh... She, I think she nailed that sort of um, intense, very professional, scary, smart, professional woman who's not going to screw around, who's not going to let you mess her thing up, um, and- who will roll right over the top of you if you're fucking her deal up. I think she nails that, and she and when she puts that mode on, she is terrifying. Yeah. yeah. But terrifying, and, and like I said, and I don't want to, you know, I'm like, I don't want to make to make like a sexual thing. Like it felt intimate. Like it felt like she was like, listen, I am seeing right into your soul right now, and I'm yeah. going to tell you exactly what's there. You know, and that was that was really powerful. I thought. Well, and it's interesting because she's not a character that we've seen before on the show. Yeah. Um, and and I I I really do like what she brought to the mix with that, um, and the the way that she's there and able to uh push the buttons on the crew and manipulate them and and see what they are and therefore we get to see what they are too um and to see where they are restrained and where they're not yeah adam do you have like more questions because i feel like i monopolized the first part of this conversation no 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 i mean i have other stuff i want to talk about for sure but like that was that's it kind of on that front and it's just going to be interesting to see you know how that character develops as she gets deeper into the middle of this situation. Uh, you know, I love the, we're going to win so many awards comment. Um, Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Take those digs when you can guys. I love it. Um, so we, is she in on this whole sabotage or not? Cause well, if you're going to, I'm not, you're going to learn more about that later. I I will say generally speaking, um, if you are, Getting somebody to to be part of a sabotage plot that will destroy the ship they are on—that's a hard sell. Yeah, I don't think that she. Uh, I don't know for sure. But Here you go. I, Get on the ship and then sink it. <sighs> but yeah, there's more. There's more details coming. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Without too but, many spoilers. And I. So here's my question: the whole idea of someone, you know, doing a composite of the Holden uh, image with his with that message that went out. If I was Aaron Wright, why wouldn't I have just said that when they played my message for Sorrento Gillis? Well, part of the idea... Other than Pride. Other than Pride, I guess. Well, Pride is a good thing. But um, one of the things that we don't go into because we don't want to spend a whole lot of time teching the tech is those the, the, the James Holden fake video is imperfect. There will be artifacts in it. Uh, to show that it was uh, manipulated, yeah, it, but you don't have time to do that in the moment, right? It, it only needs to hold up for, yeah, for the purposes of what it is intended for. It and it only needs to hold up for a few moments. Um, any any uh, expert in um, video analysis would be able to figure out that it's a fake given enough time. But like Daniel said, it's just in but, the moment you don't. But have time. by that time. Um, somebody will yeah. have shot him. Yes, uh, the missiles were already flying by the time that would have happened. The thing about that particular technology that that um, is really interesting to me is we, we wrote that book a few years back and 
Um, that was one of the big speculative elements we had in it is this whole kind of faking video in real time and, and how that's very science fictional. And now it turns out people are doing it. Um, I don't know if you saw this online. There was a, a, a video of President Obama speaking things that he never actually said uh, with, with Jordan Peele doing the voice. Um, we're at the point where that is a real technology now. Yeah, I was going to say that's just, I mean, I would say almost that as a readily available thing is almost right around the corner. Yeah, it wasn't when we wrote the book, though. It was still very speculative when we were doing the book. So when it happens and destroys the fabric of society because no one can believe anything anymore, we can we have you guys to thank. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, sure. What else? What else happened? I mean, we could talk a lot about Miller and Holden. That was a that was a big central part of this episode. So did you did you finally get what I was talking about when I said that the the uh, that Miller was teased earlier in the season? Um, yeah. So, sorry, because I was just trying to figure out my mic situation. This is such fun, fun times. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Let's just keep going with the episode because I'm, everything you're saying so far was already stuff I was, like, wondering about and thinking about. Um, we're so in sync. See? That's, that's you know, professionalism well, right there. Well, we're also going according to, like, the actual episode. Um, so... Let's talk a little bit about this whole, you know, everyone is now locked on the Rastanante and, and Holden's having these, you know, hallucinations, but are they hallucinations? Like, cause now I'm starting to get a little like confused. When Miller first showed up, uh, that it had, he, his presence had been teased in a certain way, uh, earlier in, or that why this would be happening had been teased a little bit earlier in the season. Um, and I was just, yeah. oh, it, that's was done, it was done again in this episode. Okay. So you're asking me if I knew what you meant earlier in the season when it was teased. Right. Or do you get, does it, did it, is it clear now? Okay. Honestly, no. Yeah. What he's, okay. what he's saying is that, uh, uh, just before Miller shows back up, we show yet another shot of the blue goo under the deck. In the Rossi. And then Miller shows up. And then Miller shows up. As though using montage technique to uh, put two images next to each other to create a sense of no, meaning. We were, uh, Actually, isn't that the Korshinov effect? Or? That, I think it, yeah. the, I think Korshinov is the guy who came up with montage. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's I not montage the way we use it now. Earlier in the Training season. montage. Yeah, yeah but, there was a very... There was a very brief shot earlier in the season of right, the, totally the molecule residue in, the, in the hall of. I smoke a lot of weed. You can't expect me to always remember stuff like this. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> I know, <laughs> <laughs> but yet now that you mention it, yes, now I actually do remember it. Um, okay, so that actually kind of answers my question in a way, right? I feel like it does. Well, it certainly. But if I say it does, it's like a spoiler. Strong hint. I mean, there's there's a, a suggestion at least. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that we can we can surmise at this point without saying anything that Holden is not. This is not just in his head, right? This is something that is happening connected to the ring and the proto molecule. I don't think. That's... But he's also connected to it in a way that no one else is on the ship because when he's having these like moments, only he sees what he sees. That's right. 
how come his blood tests keep coming back clean that he obsessively keeps running? Because he's not infected with proto molecule. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so that, but then how? God, I have so many questions, but I know you can't answer them. No, no, we really can't. I mean, I can tell you everything, so then you don't have to watch the show. I mean, yeah, no, 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 no. Do you want to know how the series ends? I can tell you the end of the last book. (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) I would have read the book if I don't want to know. I want to know, but I don't want to know now. I want to wait and find out. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is we have effectively created a sense of suspense. Absolutely, you have. Ah, Go us. Well done, us. Good job. Go team. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, Adam, you go, because I'm like, now I'm like wrapping my brain around stuff. (laughs) Sure. No, that's fine. Um, I guess, were you guys on set or around when that, basically that team up got back together and what it was like for them to shoot those scenes again, having been, you know, having been paired so much in past seasons? Yeah, actually, um, when when uh, Thomas came back, um, one of our executive producers, uh, Mark Fergus, who works uh, really well with Thomas and they, they have a good relationship, he actually came back up too, and we had a uh, we had a couple of rehearsals where it was Thomas and and Stephen and Mark Fergus and and me sort of sitting quietly in the background taking notes, running through all of those scenes and getting them really dialed in so Thomas felt comfortable with with what he was doing with his performance with Miller and, and how he wanted to approach it and getting Steven uh, and Thomas back in the groove of working together uh, again and uh, getting them really dialed in, which is not hard because they're both uber professionals and they like each other. So it's pretty easy to get them going again. Um, but yeah, there, there was uh, it was, it was not something we just sort of threw in a script and assumed was right. We, we spent a lot of time making sure that everybody agreed that it was the right approach. I'd be really curious to talk to Thomas about this, too, because it's got to be a different approach for him. He's playing the character he was before, but also something else, you know? Well, and one of of the things that had happened um, between the end of last season and when we started writing stuff for Thomas for this season, or actually, uh, you know, when we were on set getting ready to shoot it and we were making tweaks to the dialogue, is is Thomas had gone and read uh, Siebel of Burn, and fallen in love with the with the interludes in Siebel Burn, though where we sort of get a, a vision of the interior logic of the investigator as it's created uh, by the protomolecule and and how it evolves and fell in love with the sort of the cadence of those interludes and and that the internal thought process of the protomolecule and really wanted to bring that out and sort of vocalize a version of that through detective Miller, which I thought was a really interesting idea. It was, wasn't something we had considered doing. Um, so sort of take that interior protomolecule monologue and turn it into actual dialogue. Um, and he brought a lot of those sorts of ideas with him and, uh, Mark and I worked together to sort of incorporate those into the scripts. Um, and yeah, I think it, I think it turned out really well. You get this, you get this sense of, of, of Miller's confusion about what he is and who he is and uh, what directives he's being given uh, by his puppet masters. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're going to, if you're going to have anyone do that, having an actor like Thomas Jane to play that particular <laughs> thing is, is a real blessing. It seems like it really is. And here's the thing about Thomas is, is Thomas has been a, a very busy working professional actor. Um, like, I mean, the, the guy works nonstop and he's been doing that for decades, like 
I don't know, 30 years maybe he's been working nonstop. So anything that he can do in a part that he's never done before really excites him. Um, because, you know, I mean, after, after 30 years of scripts, you probably feel like you've seen everything. Uh, so yeah, when he, when he got to do this, he's never played this kind of character before. And it, I think he got really excited about it. So one of the things I want to talk about, cause this is actually the block when I came up. So I saw this set and it's so, or at least I saw parts of the set. I, Wait, the which, set it, which set is this year? Um, this with the ring and okay. with, um, this whole part that like, I think the next two episodes I think it came up not the next is it the next episode it was when I was actually up there and you just finished with this episode or did you just finish nine and I was up there for ten it was this but it was this whole block right eight nine ten was the same block no, no. It's a, blocks are two episodes yeah so not, eight and nine are the same block so that's what no, I was no, up seven there and eight for. are the same block seven or eight are the same okay, block so nine and ten was what I was up there for then right okay because that was yeah, yeah. You, if I you saw was, some funky sets that was probably nine and ten yeah and we get like a like. Can you just like talk to people a bit about like how long it took to actually make the set for all of this? Because I saw but the, the but the that's ship. that's not this episode. Yeah, that's well, no, you're jumping ahead this, here. No, listen, not <laughs> the, not the next two episodes. Oh, this episode with the Mormon ship. Oh, and yeah, yeah, that was incredibly detailed too. Yeah. I don't think I don't think you can appreciate how detailed even that set was just from what you're seeing, even on camera. I mean, it was incredibly detailed, but it was also. Are you talking about the control set. room on the behemoth? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That it was an amazing set. I love that set in this. And every shot in there just feels so otherworldly because of, uh, because of that, which is perfect for the belters. And I love the way that it's, it's clearly got um, this sense of having been a temple that is now a workroom. You know, it's got it's got all of the the kind of very thoughtful, very intentional, very reverent, uh, reverential uh, design choices that were made originally, and then they ran some cable across it. Yeah, yeah, it it <laughs> it, it feels like this weird mix of of uh, exactly that reverent iconography and and cathedral building style. And they're just big holes drilled in the bulkhead so that, you know, you can run conduit through through it and, you know, stuff going through paintings and across the floor. And, yeah, it just it, it, it gives it a really interesting look that you don't I don't know if I've ever seen that in a spaceship before. And, and it, it's interesting, too, because I mean, one of the things that's really cool about architecture is the way that buildings learn, the way that um, a, a house that has, you know, was built in to house a single family and then got divided to become a duplex and then got put back together differently. And, and the, the, the structure and the aesthetics of the building itself change and kind of hold on to old versions of its function and old, uh, changes that were made even after the, the, uh, the use has moved on. I mean, that's, that's not something you see a whole lot in, spaceship design in the start in in science fiction and but having something like the Nauvoo which has become the behemoth um you know it it winds up having a history and it winds up kind of embodying that history in ways that are actually really interesting 
So now when they had the issue launching the missile, when all of a sudden their power seemed to like cut out, was that because of the ring or was that because the ship was not, it's it's being used in a form. It's a terrible battleship. It's the worst battleship ever. You built, you designed it to be a generation ship and then you strapped a bunch of guns on it and no, it doesn't work real well. You know, it's, it's a clutch. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can, weld wings onto your Prius and mount a rocket launcher on the top, but that doesn't make it an F-15. Yeah. I can and I I will, though. (laughs) (laughs) Now, one of the things we talk about a lot in the books, uh, and that was was a gesture toward, was talking about all of the ways that um, the retrofit is trying to, you know, trying to use your screwdriver as a hammer. It's not it's not designed for that, but it's what we're using it for now. And so you have to have those changes and they're awkward. Some of them and difficult and they don't work real well. Some of them, but it does keep chief engineer Naomi Nagata busy. Oh my, yes. (laughs) She's got stuff to do. And I was going to say, that's a very belter thing just to have that kind of kludge, um, you know, using what's out there to, uh, to make what you need. So let's talk about, you know, that scene on on the behemoth when um, they're now making this decision to fire at the Rocinante and you have three different, it seems almost three different stances where drummer's almost kind of in the middle of where she stands. Like, it seems like she's wavering a little bit. Part of her maybe doesn't 100% believe that they should be shooting on the Rastinante? Like, because she does seem to show a little more restraint or hesitation. Well. Am I interpreting that the wrong way? No, I mean, she she's, she doesn't want to murder uh, Naomi's friends. Unless she has to. Well, but, but, but she kind of has to. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I just love that every scene on the behemoth with those three. I think that uh, you know Kara and Kara uh, and Naomi, Kara and Dom already had such great chemistry, and then you know you throw a new element into that mix. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I think that what Davis Strathairn brings, I mean, the chemistry that those three have and the dynamics that are going on in every scene they're in are just so compelling to me. Yeah, no, they they wound up being a really interesting group. And, and having a lot of uh, very subtle and very uh, thoughtful interactions um, when they were planning on how to present these three. And I, I, think, I think it paid off pretty huge. And just to but see, you know, Davis Trotheran being, he's, is he an Oscar winner or an Oscar nominee? I don't uh, remember. He actually won an Oscar, I believe, for, for a Good Night and Good, good Night and Good Luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So to see him and then, you know, these two younger actors who are more up and coming, but they are they are absolutely holding their own on the floor with him as well. well and really- if you one of the marks of a really great actor is they don't steal scenes. They bring up the people around them. Um, that's that's uh, one of the things I've come to really respect about the experienced actors we have on the show is that they're not hogging the camera. Um they're they're supporting the scene, yeah. and, and that's an important thing. That's a that's an important bit. Yeah, I mean, David uh, David is a very generous actor. Um, he it doesn't matter who he's working with. He's if he's doing a scene with you know another uh, big name like himself, or he's doing a scene with uh, Day Player, um, 
you know, he's he's got some people he interacts with on in these episodes that have very small parts, um, and he's just as generous with them as he is with anybody else. He wants them to really succeed in the scene. Uh, that's, I mean, that's that's what you want in your cast. You want guys like that, and and yeah, he's he's a class act for sure. So I was going to say, I mean, with the drummer, you know, again, like she is showing the restraint in this scenario where, but it seems a little out of characteristic for her. Cause she, in no, the past seems, I, I think it's very characteristic for her to think someone's fucking with me. I'm not going to play. That's exactly drummer in my head. She's looking at this and going, yeah, this smells wrong. And I, so, I mean, I guess I read it a little bit different. I, I kind of read her hesitation more to be because of Naomi. Well, and that's a complicated situation too. Yeah. Yeah, Naomi. Naomi's right that um, this is not something that Holden would do, and that this is a setup, and that somebody is fucking with him. And Ashford is right in that it doesn't matter; they still have to yeah. act on the situation as it is, whether no matter what the the truth that's discovered later will be. But if they if they wait to do that, they're going to be in a firefight they can't do. You know, we have two people with absolutely accurate reads of the same situation, coming to two completely different conclusions about what should be done, and drummer in the middle. Yeah. That's 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 what that scene does. So now while this is playing out, I mean, in those last 10 minutes of the episode, was really there was a lot obviously going on. Um, but while that's playing out, where you have the debate with them on the behemoth, Leading up to that, you have um, Alex and Amos talking about Holden and where Amos initially was not as um, seemed to be a little bit more supportive of Holden. Now he's starting to be like, listen, like something's fucking wrong. And and the two of them kind of have to figure out how to navigate the situation with what seems like a mentally unstable captain which is something we set up in the pilot episode that this is a problem right yeah which you call yeah you called back to which i actually i love that you guys called back to that um and mentioned that in this episode so for them i mean you know alex seems pretty adamant like he's gonna try to buy them some time to outrun them and whatnot um but amos eventually decides to give holden a chance to work this out so, I mean, not having read the books, what in that moment in the books leads Amos, even though he has these concerns about Holden's mental capacity at that moment and, and where he is and his ability to think clearly and rationally, what is it that makes him decide to give him that time? I don't remember what we did in the books. Did we have that scene in the books? No. Yeah. I mean, what it, what it was in the show was, um, what else are you going to do? I mean, you have the 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 chance that Holden is going to pull a rabbit out of the hat, or you have the certainty that you're all going to be splashed. Yeah. And and really, um, the problem with with them going uh, with the with the situation as it falls out is um, alien technology showed up on Phoebe and infected arrows turned it into a spaceship. It crashed on Venus. The thing on Venus came out as a giant squid, flew across the solar system, turned into a huge ring, and that ring opened up 
into some kind of portal that murdered somebody. But Ghosts of Miller, that's too far. Now you've yeah. gone too far. Now, now yeah. you've stretched credibility. I mean, like, they, they, they now live in a world where miracles happen, where, where impossible things are, are uh, provably happening right outside the window. So it's, it's, it would be different if you're not in that world. If Holden just came and said, yeah, Miller, remember, he, he, you know, he died of emphysema, but he's been reappearing to me and everything else is the world we know. That might be weird. But he's going, in addition to the thousands of other alien weird things that are happening, the other thing that happened is the guy who was actually killed by the aliens seems to be showing up to me. Maybe. 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 Right? Sure. I mean, it's Could just be. one of many weird things that are going on. Yeah, at this point, it'd, almost, it'd be like, oh, come on, that's ridiculous. You know, that'd be that'd be a little that'd be an odd reaction. Surely to, uh, nothing that strange could happen. Yeah. What's that ring outside? Yeah. That's way stranger than the squid that flew off of Venus and turned into a ring. <laughs> <laughs> but that whole scene and that that, you know, I loved the uh, the physics of that scene, you know, with when Alex does his burn and Amos gets slammed to the floor all of a sudden and everything like it was just super, super tense filmmaking, uh, you know. And once you see again, a lot of oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say you see a lot of space battle scenes and everything like that. And this, this, this. And once again, I think it's the expanse is is unique in the way it depicts these things. But it like makes it so much more tense almost than like a standard dogfight type thing situation would be. Yeah, and, and once again, you have to give West so much credit. I mean, he's such a gifted physical actor. Um, and, and he just hasn't, he doesn't protect himself at all. He just throws himself into anything. When, you know, when we talked about the scene where he gets knocked to the floor because the, the ship has, has accelerated, um, when he threw himself at the floor, I thought he hurt himself. I mean, he, he looks like he's just getting slammed, you know, and he was fine. I mean, he's, he's, he's good at, at protecting himself in those sorts of falls, but, uh, just really, I mean, you couldn't ask for a more committed cast. No, no. They, he literally threw himself into his work there. As a as someone who's done like fight choreography and stunt coordination, that's horrifying. But I guess good also. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! We, we, the, the the argument we always have with Wes whenever it comes to stuff like that is, um, we're trying to get stunt people in to do it, and he's arguing to keep them out and just let him do it. That's always the argument. Oh sure, sure. I, yeah, I've been there. But yeah. uh, and how do you how do you argue with with Wes about that? No, you can't. At a certain point, you just gotta let it happen. Um, but I guess and then the last thing, and I don't want to, you know, we see the very last shot, so I don't want to get into that yet because I feel like a lot more about that particular what is through the ring, etc., is going to be explored in future episodes, and we couldn't talk about it much this week without getting into some pretty big spoilers. Um, but I do want to talk about uh, our mystery girl, which we haven't spent a lot of time on her yet. Melba. Uh, yeah, Melba, as we'll call her. I just, I, in my notes, I just called her new girl over and over again, which is horrible. Apologies to Zooey Deschanel. But, um, and some of the, some of the stuff in there, as Cher pointed out, you know, the scene of her squashing that guy's head so she can fit him in the compartment was pretty, uh, was another intense moment in a season full of intense moments. Yeah, but, but, but you also have those, the, the moments in the, uh, the shuttle with her where she's actually affected by having done that. I mean, it's, 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 uh, 
you know, this is not a stone cold killer. This is somebody who's who's uh, experiencing a a really complicated storm of emotions. That's weird, right. And the, yeah, and the interesting thing about that too is I think that at this, if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong, at this point in the story in the books, that character is not a POV character yet. Is that right? No, no she they is. are. Yeah, she, she is. is. Okay. She is. No, you, you, I, I didn't. You start her very early in the books. Okay. Yeah, I didn't remember getting that inner conflict of hers over the things that she was having to do on a on a violence level. Um, but that could be just me not remembering it because it's been a while since I read that particular book. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out more about her soon. Can you talk a bit about uh, casting this actor, though? Or, again, is that something we can't get into without uh, getting into her backstory a little bit? Because she's great so far. I mean, you know, little limited screen time, but she's had to do some really heavy emotional lifting and physical lifting. I, uh, I don't know how much we want to talk about, you know, um, there are some constraints on, on that casting that we probably don't want to talk about yet. But okay. what we can talk about is, yeah, we needed somebody who could have... You know, that the character in the book is very another very internal character. It's somebody who we spend a lot of time um, inside of her head and with her not talking or interacting with people honestly or doing all of those things that would make the storytelling straightforward for a camera. So having somebody who could do um, a lot of a lot of very physical acting who was good at um making emotions clear uh even if it's not you know written in the the script oh i feel very conflicted over having murdered my friend and mentor you know you don't want to there's no one to say that to so you can't and you probably shouldn't even if you could um having somebody who can carry that off through her performance was important and and nadine's able to do that she does, you know, for a for a major character like that, she gets almost no dialogue. No, and that's one of the things that makes her really cool. Yeah. Um, I, I one of the things I didn't understand, um, or I understood like intellectually before we started doing this, was the power of being the one who says the least. But I go back and I look at like the way of the gun and the Benicio del Toro character where he pulled out a bunch of his lines from the script and just made it really minimal so that everything he says lands. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like, I feel like Melba is uh, in a very similar place with that, where she's, she's really uh, a more powerful and alive and deep character because there is uh, this kind of, paucity this kind of uh, this this space where you just get to be with her as an image and not with uh not trying to parse what she's saying right and of course we will well theoretically we may or may not get more into her character as we go oh you along. think we should probably find something out about it, don't you think it'd be kind of rude I, if we I would, didn't I, I wouldn't want to say one way or the other um <laughs> uh, I can as I can I can neither confirm nor deny. Ah, yeah, nice, good line. Now this is where Thank the you. show transitions into CSI space, and uh, Grissom and team come in and do blood swabs on the floor there, which she cleaned up. And uh, you know, it's the rest of the, the rest of the series is about them trying to track her down and convict her of murder. Yep. Well, and then there's probably a crossover with the Law and Order, right, where you have a court case and yeah. 
Well, yeah. no, we we don't have a connection to Law and Order. We like do have we do with CSI. CSI. Yeah, because you know, Noreen <laughs> used to used to be a senior writer on CSI for like eight years, and so you know, we have a connection there. We can get Grissom to come. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't have anything else for this episode. Yeah, do you? that was this. No, that was this week's episode. A very explosive ending, and I'm, I'm assuming we'll find out a lot more about uh, next episode's going to be fascinating. I'm really looking yeah. forward to what you guys think about the next one, especially you, Cher. I, I, I'm, I'm very, this is, I heard about this one. Well, don't. Yeah. Okay. Just, I'm not going to say anything. I'm yeah. just saying I heard about this one. So I actually have been looking forward to this since the beginning of the year because I had heard about this. So awesome. this is the episode yeah. that takes place entirely in Bayonne, New Jersey. Yep. So we figured this one was just <laughs> right up your alley. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were proud um, of your Bayonne roots. Dark, Cause I don't what do you mean the home of Jar- George R. R. Martin? <laughs> That's right. right. He was that, he was recognized was the by first, the city. I know that was the first thing you and I bonded over yeah. was how shitty that town is. Yeah. <laughs> what? Come on. <laughs> Apologies I, to anyone who's listening in Bayonne. No, yeah. don't apologize. Sorry, George. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's do some shout outs. <laughs> uh, you guys want to go first? Uh, I want to do my shout out. I'm going to do a shout out to Bayonne, New Jersey, a I knew a, you were gonna do a lovely city in the Garden State of America, uh, <laughs> with beautiful views of uh, the waterways, the shipping waterways, and uh, um, yo, go Bayonne! I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm going. I, I had something else in mind earlier, but I'm going to change it. I want to shout out uh, Steve Spawn and um, his group able gamers which is a uh, a charity that um helps people who are uh disabled or working with uh difficulties physically to engage with uh video games and and have uh that kind of connection and um experience open to them my wife's been talking to him we've we've uh been part of what he's doing for uh, probably a year, year and a half now, and and and, and your wife actually uses some of the and, alternate control things yeah, my, on the on the PlayStation. Yep, yeah. you know, we have we have uh, some of those assistive devices here uh, that make it possible for her to um, spend as long as she wants playing Borderlands Two uh, <laughs> without exacerbating any underlying conditions. Um, and right, <laughs> um, and I think the work he's doing is. Uh, really good and has made a real difference in a lot of people's lives and has been useful and important for us uh, in particular. So go Steve and go able gamers. Yeah, that's a really good, uh, that's a really good group. They deserve uh, support and uh, whatever help people can give. Adam. Uh, I'm going to shout out solo, a star Wars story. Really? Yeah. I, uh, I really dug it and I was on record you know, in our other podcast, who won the week about uh, you know saying, "Why really? I'm not excited about this movie because and, you hate everything." I know. No, that's not true. It was more just like I was, and I think it's it, honestly, could we have lived without a Han Solo origin film? Yes, of course. I don't think it's it. You know, was a story that was aching to be told. But that said, I had a really good time with it and it's it's i've the the comparison i've been making recently is pirates of the caribbean the first one which i also really love but which is kind of like this light action you know comedic 
action adventure picturesque type of thing and and solo is very much the same deal and it's a type of movie that i feel like if i was flipping around on cable and it was on i would keep watching it so you know i i it's interesting because i feel a lot of people have been calling it inessential and you know not we didn't need this movie etc and i thought back to like movies like robin hood the errol flynn robin hood or something like that and did Robin Hood's story need to be told another time at that time? Probably not, you know, but it was done really well and it was a lot of fun. And so that's kind of how I feel about this one. It's like, I, I liked it. I don't think it makes or breaks the Star Wars franchise, but it was it was a good time. So that's my shout out. Okay. Um, my shout out is actually going to be the Expanse fans because they really did rally hard in, in ways that I've never seen a fandom uh, express their support for a show. And, um, yeah. And also because of the fact that, you know, they do support this podcast and because of it, the podcast is now featured, you know, on iTunes TV talk, which is a big deal. So, uh, like I jokingly tweeted last week, even the ones that say nasty things about me in the comments, I'm still going to shout them all out because, (laughs) Why yeah, does anybody accused. say nasty things about you in the comments, Sarah? I don't understand. Because that. I'm a girl, I guess. I get accused for all sorts of stuff. It's fantastic. Um, some of it is stuff Adam does. It's amazing. Um, but still, I do appreciate everyone that listens to this podcast, supports the podcast, and of course supports the show. Because without the show, this podcast wouldn't exist. And without the fans, neither of these things would exist. So, yeah, yay. I mean- you know, we said it before, but the the show being saved, I mean, could not have happened without the outpouring of support and people rallying to watch it on sci-fi and, and show that it could get ratings, you know, and things like that, I think were important as well. So, yeah, I, I agree with Cher, but obviously your shout out. So I'm not trying to bogart it. Yeah. But, I mean, you uh, just did, but that's OK. <laughs> I, I, I no, do. I'm just I, I'm, I'm I'm adding my, my, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Go ahead, Ty. What were you gonna I was say? just going to say, I, I, I agree. I, I think that was a, a, a really good one to do. Um, I, I also appreciate it greatly, but I do want everybody listening to know that I am allowed to be mean to share. You are not. So you need to chill that shit out. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm actually friends with him. I don't know these people. <laughs> you may not know this, but Ty's actually officially licensed to, yes. uh, to me. He, he has, has a card and everything. By the state That's of right. New Jersey. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. On that note, for everybody, you can always catch us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Wire or, you know, if you're listening on iTunes, wherever you listen to the podcast, you know, leave some, maybe say something nice about me. I don't know, but just, or just leave five stars and say nothing about me at all. Um, And uh, of course, you know, let us know in the comments or what you guys thought of this episode and we will talk to you guys next week. 